Hello, friends. Jim Nance. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> got a chance. Oh, yes. He's done it! Wow! In your life! I don't know how you get much better than this. Heartbeat just went up 50 notches there, I think. Struck it nicely. Oh, Canada! Mike Weir has won the Masters. Waited all day long for that one. The green jacket is going north of the border. Celebration now. They've saved it for the perfect stage. Wow, that was loud. Still is. Welcome inside Season 2, Episode 2 of The Pelt Pod. Today, one of Canada's leading voices in the world of golf walks us through what it's like to cover the best players in the world. We'll recap one of the most exciting finishes on the PGA Tour to date as Harris English captures his second title of the season. It's Season 2, Episode 2, and it starts right now. It's season two, episode two, and the Pelt Pod team is in full swing, 40 days into golf season here, and we're finally getting out to play some other golf courses, and we want to hear from you guys this week where you love playing, but we're going to tee up Pelt Pod member Benjamin Whiteside as he had an epic showdown in Medicine Hat this weekend. Tell us a little bit about your trip out to Texas of Canada. No mask. West Texas, Alberta. <laughs> yes. <laughs> West Texas, Alberta, Medicine Hat. Tell us about it. I tried to represent the Help pod as as best as I could. Um, conducted myself as Jacob Bishop and Jamie Wilson would have me do, and a couple London guys descended on Medicine Hat, Alberta, which is quite literally in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's like this desert oasis, kind of three hours um, away from Calgary. Played in a golf tournament and a trip of a lifetime. This week we're talking about playing golf courses that you've never been to, going on trips with friends and getting a chance to meet new people. And that's what it's all about. It's about the experience. We've got another huge experience coming up in a couple of weeks that you're organizing. And that's uh, a big Ontario group that's going to take place. So um, this weekend was probably my first uh, major, if you will. I don't know if three handicaps can just say they play majors, but I'm going to go ahead and say that was my my major. So it was great. Meet new people, play a golf course that was uh, really, really cool. The ball flew forever out there. And I think you're just, just hitting it further this year. Yeah, well, let's actually go with that. <laughs> that would help morale a little bit. Boost the confidence, those Boost the confidence, months. yeah. When, when you hit it 268 with all you've got, you learn really quickly that you're just a grinder out here. But it doesn't matter when you're in the money bag. Had some balloons come home with me, which is good. I've made it out okay, and I'm going to try to fly under the radar as my three handicap for the rest of the summer. Keep those elastic bands tight around those bills, especially if you're finding your way in a match against Doc Jake Kipfer uh, up in Collingwood. <laughs> you might be snaking a couple of those late out, out from you. Those are guys that are uh, batting a different weight class, and they'll uh, they'll take a piece out of you if you're not careful. Jamie Wilson joining us, Dundas, Ontario, to be specific. Your home golf course is is getting torn up, um, getting some improvements done to it. So you've got temporary greens going on. 40 days into the golf season, you find yourself on a, can I say real golf course? Proper size cups. Yep. Your game has been tested. That must have felt pretty good. Yeah, a lot of people have, uh, have been surprised. I've been playing temporary greens with the greens on the fairways, and they just bigger than regulation size um, holes. It's uh, nice to make the turn with a solid 30 front nine, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not real <laughs> golf, right? So it's it's so hard to justify how you're playing or like in relation to par means absolutely nothing. I was able to get out to Copetown Woods um, on Saturday. We dodged, we dodged the, the rain there. Um, we had four groups, I think, make the trip out there. Yeah, I wasn't playing for big bucks like you, Ben, but 
my $20 was a donation. I couldn't figure out the speed of the greens because I haven't putted on real greens this year. And I've been putting on fairways, essentially. I found I was overcompensating. I'm like, oh, these are going to be so fast. And, and don't get me wrong, they, the greens were pure, but I just could not figure it out. Scrape my way around a little bit there. And then on Sunday, I was fortunate enough to get out to Lookout Point beautiful one of my one of my favorite courses in the in the niagara region so so that was a treat i mean not an overly long golf course but you've got to figure out a way to get up and down and just be be sharp around the green so yeah it was nice to get out a couple times or quote unquote real golf that was that was my weekend so that was good for me the advantage though to not having to play and beat yourself up on you know those real cups is i have had probably four or five four putts this year and that's already led to some ptsd and some internal struggles so um that's an advantage you can think of it that way it's still haunting you eh? It, a lot I, you remember when your last four putt was and it's it's disgusting four putting is not something you want to do you don't want to make a habit out of it uh but fortunately no no four putts this weekend i got out as well to to play a couple different golf courses uh this weekend so we had a little bit of a scramble at um at winter station my team took home the the W. We we kind of got off to a nice hot start, just fizzled out middle of the round, but uh, we went six under in the last five uh, with a par on those last five to uh, to take home the W there. But it was it was a great day. But I got to play out on Sunday at one of my favorite spots in Ontario, uh, public golf course Craig Allen. I simply love this place in Woodstock. It's Robbie Robinson design. Um, I'm a huge Stanley Thompson fan and, and Robbie kind of learned under Stanley and it's just one of those golf courses. You can't find a bad hole out there. It's, you you got to strike it well off the tee. The greens, oh, to play on good greens that roll true. And when you're putting to save power from eight feet and it rolls true to your line, there's nothing better than that. So I was, it was a great weekend for me playing. I struggled a little bit down the stretch at, uh, at Craig Allen. I actually made, made an eagle on 13 to get it back to even, but I uh, made bogey a hole later and, uh, and put one OB on 17. So I stumbled to a couple over par uh, to finish the round, but excited to get out this weekend and, and, uh, and play somewhere new. It's that new vibe when you get to, to a golf course that you, ha you, know, that you haven't played before, you're excited to get to. Is it just the ambiance, the vibe, the facility? What, what do you look forward to the most? Because for me, when I got to Craig Allen, it was just the, the different scenery and, and uh, seeing a tree line golf course championship style it's the unknown in a way you know you pull into a, a property whether that's a whether that's a municipal golf course off a highway somewhere or that it's a really big private club i think it's a it's an experience right a lot of the times you're pulling up uh with the group you're playing with or sometimes mm -hmm. you're meeting friends that you haven't seen in a long long time or uh maybe you're celebrating an occasion so I think so many times when you pull up to a new place, it's a gathering of uh, people that you, you really want to spend time with. And on top of that, it's a whole experience that you guys get to have together on uh, a lot of the times it's a property you've never been to, right? So with that, uh, if you're a golf nerd on top of that, factor all that in. It's an overload. Sensory overload. It's like visiting a historic site or a museum or a restaurant, whatever you're into. It's an experience. And if you love experiences and if you love the game, I think that's what leads to like the overload happiness feeling. And you know you're going to leave with memories of the day that you'll carry long outside the, the four or five, six hours that you were on the, the property. Um, I think for me, it's like in my case at Copetown, when you pull into the into the onto the property, you drive right through the golf course. So it's kind of unique to kind of yeah, number nine on the right there, number one on the left. 
And then just kind of seeing all that stuff. And then what makes it even funnier is when you see your buddy teeing off 20 minutes in front of you walking down the road because he's hit his ball over there. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't save myself enough, uh, enough time to hit the range beforehand. So, and I can't chirp too much because I, uh, blew one out of bounds on the first hole. Oh, (laughs) welcome. Have a day, right? Welcome to Cope Town Woods. Get yourself some berry brand broccoli and have a day. This week on the PGA tour, a marathon of a finish that didn't complete until late Sunday evening. It was the Travelers Championship. Harris English locks it down. You might see some emotion out of Harris like you haven't seen before. For the lead. For the lead. Yes, again. And he ran after it like you've never seen before. Kramer Hickok can force a playoff yeah. if they can make birdie here at the final hole. Oh, he just got over. Yeah, and he's got an eight-footer for a playoff. Right into the shadow. And right into the hole. As we approach 8 o'clock. I think we should circle the wagons. We're going to playoff hole number eight. Oh my goodness me. Let's see what Harris English can do. A life-changing moment. Can he do it? Here it is. It's over. Harris English ends it with a birdie on the eighth playoff hole. That looks like one hell of a finish. I mean, obviously, eight playoff holes. I mean, there were a lot of pars in there, but still, that's, that's crazy for it to go eight holes. And I even saw, I think, uh, Hickok lipped out. I think it was the second playoff hole from like 30 feet. It lips out and it like didn't even have enough speed to lip out. It was just just a mm-hmm. greasy lip out. And then Harris English getting up and down from the plug lie on one of the one of the other playoff holes. It was just one of those things. It was like, is this ever going to end? We've been fortunate enough to get a lot of memories from the Travelers. We get, you know, the 58 from Jim Furyk. Going for history. Final look, this for a 58. <laughs> and he knew it. We get the uh, Jordan Spieth holding out from the bunker in the playoff. Chucking his wedge at, uh, at uh, Greller. Right at it. Right at it. He's done it again, just as he did at the John Deere for his first win. Add that one to the list. The Azinger chip in, the Owen Brown chip in we spoke of. The long putt. By Nota Begay and all these crazy things that have happened here. And that might just top them all. And now we get an eight-hole playoff. So I, too, I was on the golf course uh, Sunday afternoon, so I didn't get a catch, but I was scrolling twitter kind of seeing the updates as they came in but eight hole playoff i mean that's just you know it's it's epic two of the good guys on tour that you can easily root for um yeah. i mean probably a lot of people wanted hickok to win for his first pga tour event but harris english is is all class too so it, it's not like you were rooting hardcore for one guy or the other i would say anyway tough week for canadians at the uh, travelers championship we had two make the cut uh, David Hearn, T73, Mackenzie Hughes, T76. I think we'll look uh, for those guys to bounce back uh, th- this week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic here. Yeah, six six in the field next week for a bounce back week. Six Canadians, that is. But you know what? David Mackenzie still banking checks, still banking checks. Get some FedEx Cup points as well. 
And speaking of other Canadian performances this week at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, we had two Canadians finish inside the top 25 this week. Uh, Alina Sharp and Brooke Henderson, uh, you know, Alina Sharp this week had what a what a fantastic play she had on Thursday and Friday, which got her into, I believe it was a T third Jamie um, into the weekend. And, and we recorded our episode um, on, on Friday night as that happened with it, with our guest, Adam Stanley, who's covering the event here. And I know he was, uh, he was a little bit late to the interview because he, uh, he had a, a zoom call and some zoom questions for, for Alina. Um, so big things here with, uh, with the, the, on the woman's side for uh, Canada golf. Again, we had, uh, Nelly Corda take home, uh, the major championship there and vault to number one in the world. Uh, so we kind of talked with Adam about the efficiency of LPGA tour, this, their swings, the, the game they play. And he even said, you'll, you'll hear it in the interview. He said, if you're a golf fan, like you got to go see these girls play because the way they play is just, it, it's, it's so much different. And it, the average person can probably, uh, appreciate it a little bit more than they think they, than they think. Joining us for Season 2, Episode 2, one of the leading voices in the Canadian golf world, a freelance journalist out of Ottawa, Canada, whose work can be found in the Globe and Mail, Canadian Press, PGATour.com, LPGA.com, The Score, Sportsnet, Ontario Golf News, Flagstick Golf Magazine, and Golf Canada. One of the best in the biz, he's Adam Stanley, and he's here. He's a golf media superstar, a writer, a content creator, an on-camera host. He hosts two podcasts, Next Rounds on Me, a Canadian golf pod, and the Amy and Adam Show, an LPGA pod. PGA. All right, all right. He's Adam Stanley. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Adam. Fellas, thanks for having me. Thanks for that laundry list of an introduction. That was uh, mighty kind of you. I appreciate it uh, intensely, but uh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to see the fellas uh, making a name for yourselves as well and, and hanging out on a on an evening here and having ourselves a time so i can't wait for the chat thanks for having me that was our best efforts of a, a tiger phil uh, yeah u.s <laughs> open the bay hill invitational the buick open the american express world golf championship all right all right we know. <laughs> we'll just kind of get into um what you're working on this week so you're covering the kpmg women's pga championship this week what does that week look like for you maybe regularly versus this week in a COVID world? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been an interesting year uh, and a half, not just for, I mean, for everybody, of course, but for me, mm -hmm. for sure. You know, I was coming into 2020 off 2019, traveling the most that I ever have for for my job. And, you know, I've been I've been to some cool places. I've met some cool people. Uh, my job's pretty neat. Like, I, I gotta be honest, like covering golf for a living is, is a lot of fun. And then obviously 2020 got off to a good start. I mean, I was down at the, I was at the Players Championship at the Media Day with Rory. Uh, I played TPC Sawgrass. That was in January. Uh, March rolls around and I go back to the players, go back to TPC Sawgrass, watch the chain smokers blow it up on 17 uh, <laughs> down there, which is still a mind boggling situation that we saw unfold. Uh, and then, of course, speaking of mind boggling situations, we come to Friday and it's like, nope, pack it up. 
time to go home COVID. And I was like, what the hell? So yeah, I mean, I, uh, I get home and I just had a very fascinating, interesting year covering everything from home. I always worked uh, from home, but I hadn't worked at home uh, as much as I did last year and into this year, but things are definitely turning a corner, which is great. Uh, so this week specifically, like you said, covering the KPMG women's PGA championship, the third major on the schedule for the women. Uh, and it's a lot of zoom interviews, but they're still, you know, they're kind of one-on-one still the, the golfers come through sort of the media area, the flash media area where they talk to the on-site media. And then I, you know, click the little raise hand button on zoom and I ask my questions and uh, I write my story. So yeah, so contributing to the Toronto star, which I've been doing pretty frequently all this year on on all the majors. And then uh, Amy and myself, uh, obviously on the host of the uh, LPGA tour podcast with them, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this event next week. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been busy. It's been different, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I love covering women's golf. I think women's golf, um, you know, the, the golfers themselves are, are way more accessible and, and for the most part, a lot more fun to talk to. So covering the women's game is, uh, is amazing. And I, I love the opportunity to do that. Do you find that maybe they don't get enough credit or enough publicity than maybe they should compared to the men's game? A hundred percent. I think if, you know, if you were suggesting to somebody go and watch a golf event, I would say go and watch a women's golf event, like for sure over a men's golf event. I think a men's golf event is an event. It's a spectacle. It's a lot of fun. You can raise a couple of pops because they are so committed to uh, excitement and the entertainment product. Like you think about the RBC Canadian open in 2019. Um, I mean, it had a, it had two concerts, like sold out concerts, yeah. both on the Friday and Saturday night. Unbelievable. Um, you know, the, the steam whistles were absolutely flowing and that is spectacular. <laughs> it is, it is certainly a thing. It made for an amazing week. Um, and you know, the steamers were on sale at, at 9am and by 901, they were getting absolutely crushed. So, I mean, that's, good i mean that's something it's a lot of fun for people who think that golf should not be that in terms of spectators uh i don't know what they're thinking because that's totally wrong in my opinion but from the women's perspective from the cp women's open if you can get there in vancouver in a couple years and in ottawa uh, next year i mean the access that you have to the players the the action that these women have the swings that they have are unbelievable they are so good at playing golf uh and they're just so nice yeah some of the sauciest hands i mean you look at their short game and i'm just like oh my goodness it's so yep. good they're so good at rolling the rock and yeah i'm i we 100 agree they don't get as much no. coverage as they should think about nelly corda for- like it's friday it's friday night right now nelly corda just shot a 63 six birdies year, in a row was it to, six birdies in a row shot 29 yeah. for her final nine holes like that is sick like she is <laughs> yeah. so good at golf and you watch the video of her swing and it's like yes i would like to do this please for the love of all things holy how do i do this so yeah i think i think we're turning a corner though a little bit on the women's coverage certainly here in canada i mean with brooke i mean brooke's in a totally different lead league and i think that that certainly has something to do with it but um yeah definitely want to see some more women's coverage out there and and that was part of the crux of why we started the podcast but uh, at the same time i'm like man if you're if you're a golf fan and you're a dude and you're not watching the lpga tour you're you're missing out for sure i was uh, i was looking at no laying up today and they had a, a video out and they're at they're down at the kpmg uh, yeah women's pga championship and they were talking about swing envy and how envious they are of, of some of the, the girls swings out there and then they they were interviewing some of the girls and asking you know Who's uh, whose swings they were envious of, and uh, and the Cordes sisters came up uh, a cup quite a couple times. Just the power that they have, like they 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 don't hit it short. They hit it no. a long ways out there, and uh, but they can pitch pitch the ball, they can chip <laughs> the ball, and they can roll it too. Adam, you were saying that 
you were on a Zoom uh, interview there with Elena Sharp, and yep. um, we're recording this Friday night. So, um, I mean, hopefully she plays well, but is she in what place is she in right now? Elena Sharp, as of right now, is tied for third, tied and she will third, be right? in the final group on Saturday. So- talking the week after Mackenzie Hughes did the same thing, final group on Sunday at the U.S. Open. So uh, it's not all Brooke all the time, which is exactly, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, just one other point I would make too, um, Bishop, you were kind of quickly talking about how they're not short hitters. I would say the women, um, they're probably more efficient with their golf swings than a lot of the men too. So that's why they're able to, uh, get the ball around and you see these really low rounds out there still. They're, um, they're not slipping when they drive the ball like uh, like Bryson on the back <laughs> nine last week, right? So wasn't but, wasn't that a hoot? Like, man, I don't know what you guys think on on the Bryson side of things, but like, I mean, that dude is a content factory. Like all oh, the sure. time, there's always something. Oh, he no matter no matter what. And now we get Brooks in the mix, and he's yeah. He too, he he likes to kind of be in the spotlight. So both of them are are, are going at it, which it's something cool to see uh, on our side of the, the fan it, side. Hopefully, uh, we get a Sunday pairing with those two because they are, yeah. uh, I think, one shot difference right now. Yeah. So, but just just moving on, uh, Adam. So we we've said this a couple times during the podcast here on the Pelt Pod, but um, kind of even you know for Jamie and I when we're looking kind of for for accurate golf n- uh, news. Uh, Right away, we go to your Twitter profile. So um, it seems like you're always on the ball and you update or update Twitter so quickly. So do you feel uh, the pressure that that like, you know, that's part, obviously part of your job, but do you feel pressure that you've got to get the, any news that comes your way out to the public very quickly? And, and also more importantly, who are your sources? Because it seems like it's so quick. <laughs> well, I mean, it's definitely a two-part question. I think the the advent of social media has just made everything go faster. Like I had Peter Mansbridge on my podcast last week and Peter Mansbridge for our generation, maybe, you know, a little bit on the older side of things, but certainly the most trusted newsman in this country over the last half century or so. And one of the questions I asked him was how much has like your job changed or did it change from when you started to when you finished? And he told me that they used to literally like take a knife and cut radio tape and then like combine it together with another piece of radio tape for an interview to make the sound sound good and i was flabbergasted at that and then he says that he um in the late 90s or so there's a video of him on the national of course peter the longtime host of the national on cbc Mm -hmm. where he says to the audience uh there is this new thing called the internet and it was like hilarious to conceptually believe that there was a new thing called the internet and he says that he pronounced it that way so i thought that was kind of funny so it just alludes to your question specifically on how much things have changed now you want to be first but you want to be right i was i was right at a time and then i was wrong 30 minutes later earlier this year. So it was, it was hard to be, you know, it's hard to always be accurate. Um, but I definitely want to try to be accurate versus first. I just so happen to be first a lot of the time as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm in a relationship business, uh, no matter what any of the listeners do for a living, I think a lot of jobs have turned into relationship businesses versus kind of anything else. And, you know, I've been doing this for almost a decade now and, and you kind of build up your portfolio and your authoritative voice and people start to come to you. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I have a goal, I have a big objective in my life and my career, and I know what I want to do. Um, and everything I try to do now is just kind of inching towards that. So even, yeah, you talked about kind of goals there and, and things you want to accomplish, but 
let's kind of take it back to to the start like where did it all start for you so i mean when i first met you you were out on the mckenzie tour um mm-hmm. but did you know you always wanted a career in golf and then kind of just take us through the journey um your education in journalism maybe early jobs along the way kind of thing yeah i mean my job has been has been really cool and i think that that's been one of the things that a lot of people have been interested in because my career path is so is so different and what i do for a living is so different like i live in ottawa and you know 60% of all of the working population works in the government in some capacity. And, you know, if you're not in the government, you're servicing the government as a lawyer or an accountant or et cetera, et cetera. So if I go to a party when we were allowed to go to parties and somebody was like, Hey, what do you do for a living? You know, inevitably, and through no fault of my own or the person who asked me that question, I would just get asked a lot more questions because what I do for a living is totally different than anyone else at the party. Um, who all kind of do boring things. So <laughs> yeah. did I always want to be a golf journalist? I don't, I like, I guess so. But uh, when I was in, so I went to journalism school, I went to Carleton, uh, took a four-year bachelor of journalism program. While I was at school, I interned at an advertising agency in Toronto. And that was like 2008, 2009, and then into th- 2010. So of course, Mad Men, the TV program was like the number one show on TV at the time. So I was like, yeah. That's what I, uh, that's what I want, please. And thank you. So anyways, I was an intern for those a uh, couple summers and then I got hired right away out of school to work at an advertising agency, the same one that I interned at, uh, one thing led to another and I worked there for just about two years. And then after that, I ended up working at Rogers at their head office in marketing for about two years as well. At that point, I was like 23, 24. I was living at my parents still. I had paid off my student debt and I was like, F this. Like, I don't want, like, (laughs) every day I went into the Rogers head office at, like, you know, Jarvis and Bloor in downtown Toronto. And I was 20, like I said, mid 20s, and the youngest person on the team by a lot of years. And, you know, the senior director of marketing, it was always like, what are we working towards to, ladder up to these shareholder objectives they these shareholder objectives like they need to be accomplished in each of these marketing briefs and i was like no thank you (laughs) uh so one thing led to another like i said and i'd kind of done golf writing on the side uh, of my real job and um i was dating uh, a girl who's now my wife and she was living in ottawa and we had done long distance and i had just thought you know what this isn't working out i don't want to do what i'm doing i'm not happy so i just left i left the company i came to ottawa to be with her i decided that for the summer this was in 2013 that i was going to play some golf do some traveling write about golf and by the time september rolled around because i never took any time for myself after university uh, i would just get a real job again and that was eight years ago so here i am i <laughs> still still without a real job but having a heck of a time so um you know, we talked about relationship businesses a few minutes ago, and certainly, you know, one editor led to another, led to another. And the fact that I'm, you know, young and different and was kind of a social media sort of native helped with uh, with my effort at the beginning as well. And, and now I'm still, you know, the young guy on the scene. And I don't take that for granted. I mean, all the guys on the PGA Tour right now, we kind of all have grown up together, for lack of a better descriptor. Uh, same with Brooke Henderson. I've kind of known her since she was uh, 16 or 17. So when she started her thing, um, I started my thing. And now we're, yep. you know, now we're pretty close, which has been great. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess they kind of almost... I would say maybe not trust you more, but they can kind of relate to you because you are the young guy. Is that kind of, is that kind of how you view it a bit? Yeah, it's easy. It's easy for me to 
you know, see something on an Instagram story and react or laugh or be in the same kind of humorous situation yep. because like I'm 32 and, you know, Mackenzie Hughes is 30, Taylor Pendrith is 29, Corey's 30. Um, you know, all those guys, like we kind of do the same stuff. We're in yep. the same kind of life situation. For, for sure. Yeah. We were a little disappointed to be honest last week because uh, <laughs> Jamie and I uh, were high school teammates of Mackenzie and grew up with Mac at Dundas and uh, he comes on your pod before he comes on our pod. So, <laughs> so, so we're going to, we're going to have to hunt him down for that one, but no, you're um, just, it, Jamie and I were kind of talking off air just uh, earlier, just how neat that must be for you kind of, you know, as your career develops, you know, it's kind of at the same time as, as Brooke coming out on the, on the scene and, and seeing the guys grow up on Mackenzie tour and you know you're you're out on the McKenzie tour five six years ago and now it looks yeah. like you're you know you're covering some of the biggest events uh in, well the the biggest events in, in golf <laughs> so so you know how has that turned what is you know just describe that that um where you are now and, yeah. and covering a, ma a major championship versus covering a McKenzie tour event and how things are just totally different from where you were five years ago yeah i mean covering the McKenzie tour got me to where i am now so i wouldn't trade sort of any of that for for now um i think you just learn how to be a creator of content in in a new space i mean you're there are no ropes there so you're obviously inside the ropes and i think a big part of it is you talk to these people as if they're human beings and not superstar athletes. Cause they're not quite superstar athletes, right? They're, you, you know, they're, they're golfers who are trying to make it. And I was a golf journalist trying to make it and I'm still trying to make it. I mean, I've got my own goals and objectives and people I want to talk to and, and stories I want to write and places I want to write for and TV things I want to appear on and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the big change between McKenzie tour five years ago and now is just the stage that the guys I'm talking to are on really. Um, you know, I would write, 700, 800 words, stories after the first round of the McKenzie tour, you know, just like right now, I wrote a 700 word story after the second round of the KPMG women's PGA championship. So the, the tools and the effort and the skill set is essentially the same. I've just kind of learned and growed and uh, I've done a lot of different stuff since then, but, um, you know, the McKenzie tour is chock full of guys who play really nice golf and they just haven't had their opportunity yet. And I've had some opportunities and I've taken advantage of them just like the golfers would, um, when, when those opportunities arise, mm -hmm. uh, I things guess get a little bit more, things get a little bit more structured for you than Adam, like seven fifteen, Lena sharp, you got to be there on time. Whereas before maybe on, on McKenzie tour, it was, Oh, uh, Mackenzie Hughes is walking off the 18th green. I got to go get a little, got to get a piece of him before he, he gets to the hotel. Right? Yes, exactly. So it's more, you know, the, the bigger, the bigger you get on the PGA tour and the certainly maybe not even so much on the LPGA tour, but you know, on the PGA tour, those guys time is worth so much more money than the guys in the McKenzie tour. So you, yeah. you gotta be in a certain place. You gotta do a certain thing. They're going to get whisked away. Meanwhile, on the McKenzie tour, if, if you want to interview someone and actually ask some questions, they quite literally would have like the whole night to you if, if you wanted. So, um, you know, definitely a different kind of experience, but, uh, still, still very fun. Both of them. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, that's cool. How you kind of relate like your job, you're, you're basically doing all the same things as you, as you were back in on the McKenzie tour, as you are now. And I would say the players are the same, right? They're still yeah, playing golf and they're just, they're on a different stage. 
Um, but just kind of branching, I think maybe the last maybe, time, maybe a little bit less, a, a little bit less pressure though. Right. <laughs> uh, now or earlier, <laughs> no, a little bit more less pressure than the players. <laughs> oh, just ever so slightly. I mean, I, we can, yeah. uh, we can pivot a few sentences here and there, but a missed three foot putt, uh, I missed, uh, you know, a missed comma is not going to cost me $500,000. <laughs> Yeah, Bishop, you don't need to totally crap on my analogy here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just kind of, I, th I think we were talking off air before you came on. And uh, I think the last time we kind of crossed paths um, was at Hamilton at the Canadian Open a couple of years back when you were out there uh, chasing Snedeker as he was <laughs> for that 59. And yeah. uh, we were probably a few pops deep, so maybe a little bit different. But um, how much do you miss covering the Canadian Open? Um, obviously we haven't had it the last two years. Big time. I think it's, uh, you know, it's one of those weeks where you, as a journalist in this country, a sports journalist, you want to cover the biggest events on home soil. And I think that the Canadian Open for me is, you know, it's like my Super Bowl because I'm doing yep. so much that week and you kind of know that the week's going to be nutty, but at the same time, you also know that the week is going to be like a lot of fun. You know, it, it comes Sunday night, you're going to be like, I can't believe that the week is over. And yeah. oh my God, like, what is it that that happened? And, you know, I love seeing people who I know, like you guys or um, acquaintances or people who know me from social media, which is still super weird that like people will come up to be like, hey, <laughs> I know you from like Instagram or Twitter <laughs> or whatever, but it's like, oh yeah, I guess I put myself out there. And uh, we, that's we weren't lying in the we weren't lying in the inter in the uh, introduction. You're your golf media superstar. <laughs> it uh, well, thank you. But it has been cool, and I miss covering. I miss, you know, when you're at a major or you're at another PGA Tour event. Like you're not, you're just another kind of cog in the in the week's machine. But at the Canadian Open, you as a Canadian media member or Bob Weeks or whomever it is are, are kind of the heroes for the week. And it's it's neat to it's neat to kind of be the guys or or the girls during one week of the year on the PGA Tour. And we haven't had that, um, you know, in a couple of years time. So uh, it's going to be exciting, super exciting when it all comes back next summer. The players have their majors, but that would be your major. That's, you know, week in, week in and week out, you're doing your job, but yeah. the Canadian Open, you, you get that kind of extra little buzz and a little, little kick in your step that you're, you know, you, you're- Circle it you're, on you're the calendar. The, yeah, big time. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. So we, we just have a little rapid fire. It's, uh, you know, first thing that comes to mind, Jamie and I will go back and forth with a uh, couple okay. questions here for you. What is your go-to halfway house order? Oh my Lord. Um, Coors Light, Snickers, hot dog. Favorite hole at Augusta? 12, made a birdie. Favorite club yeah. in the bag? Driver or uh, pitching wedge? Go-to shot when you're nervous. <laughs> uh, seven iron. Uh, what's your favorite golf expression? Uh, send it. Any golf superstitions? Quarter only to market. Um, three tees in the right pocket. Uh, glove in the left back pocket. I've had the same ball or the same like divot repair tool since 2009. So I can't, can't leave home without it. Has a fan ever asked you for a selfie? Once. Yeah. CP women's open. Not as popular as, uh, uh, Terry Marcotte, the absolute legendary CTV Ottawa sportscaster who had so many cougars following him. It was, <laughs> that dude is so popular with the elder women. That same week I did have one person ask me for a picture and I felt, uh, Best advice you've ever received from a fellow colleague? Just be just be a good person. Everything that I do is all based on who I know in terms of editors or business people and etc. And 
the nicer you are, the more likely you're going to get asked to do something again. Golden rule of life, but gee, just be just be a good person. It'll get you a long way. Uh, what's one thing fans don't appreciate about tour players? How funny they are. They are serious because they play for so much money every single week. It is nuts. But those lads are hilarious. You know, full of the chirps and full of the, full of the chuckles. They swear, they talk about drinking just like kind of anybody else. They're a lot funnier than I think people give them credit to be. Who is the best dressed on the LPGA and PGA Tour? <laughs> um, Jessica Corda, I think, is probably the best dressed on the LPGA Tour. On the men's side, Corey Connors dresses pretty nicely. Same with Adam Hadwin. Taylor Pendrith wears, wears a nice clothes. But I do gotta say, like like Bubba, the switch to like the whomever's wearing stuff that isn't really golfy, I think you gotta give them a, a nice tip of the cap for. So, what's your favorite city on either the PGA Tour or LPGA Tour that you've been? Jacksonville does have kind of an underrated food scene. Greenville, probably an underrated city, really really nice. Uh, and Wichita had the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. So, shout out to them. Karaoke bar or Irish pub? Probably Irish pub first, and then the karaoke bar. But then you could fire me up a little, like, Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. And, uh, I'd be good to go. Uh, most beers you've ever had in one round? My bachelor party in Atlantic City. And you can't remember. Jersey. Probably had, like, six beers and nine holes. It was an effort. Most common or generic question asked by the other media? Talk about your round out there. It's not even a question. It's a statement. Talk about it, please. But Are we doing... Are we doing better than that? Yes, you are. What TV show are you currently watching? I just finished Mayor of Easttown, and then my wife and I ended up watching that Friends reunion, also on Crave, and then we ended up just starting to watch Friends again. What is the lowest round you've ever shot? 79. Who's your favorite sports team? I'd say the Leafs are probably my favorite. Well, as, as we leave rapid fire here and, and just hearing about your, your low round 79 uh, and hearing about your birdie at Augusta, um, <laughs> that bir for those that don't know, uh, you won the, the ticket draw to, uh, to, to play Augusta, uh, the media draw, and uh, you made a two on 12, uh, which happened to be the number to, to break 90 or 89, correct? I shot 89. Yes, I did. 80, 89. So well, a question I have is that ear follow through is the picture of your twitter bio is that yep. something that is all you know every time you uh you log on to twitter it gives you that great memory <laughs> and if you made a six like jordan day the previous day would that picture be your twitter picture <laughs> i probably would have found a different picture for sure <laughs> but i knew i knew when i put the peg in the ground on that hole i either wanted to try to do something great uh or i wanted to blow up magically i, I had already had my day's story in my head written so i either the lead was either going to be listen what he did makes a lot of sense or like you know f you jordan this was easy man come on <laughs> so i ended up doing it doing that way um I made a double bogey on the next hole on 13 because I was way too fired up. Yeah. Uh, but then I made par on 14, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, so it was a nice little run there. Um, you know, Augusta is one of those places that it is what you would think it would be, plus more, et cetera, et cetera. I, um, I remember everything about my round there. Like if I forget basically every shot that I've ever hit from every other round that I've ever played. But that one, even though it was five years ago, from arrival to the driving range to the putting green, from the first tee shot to the 18th putt out, I, I could probably regale you with the entire day just because of how special it was. Uh, you know, for me, for you know anyone I've crossed paths with in golf, you know the people who got me into the game to begin with. Um, you know, it was it was amazing. 
that's unreal. Um, we had Jamie Rydell on um, a yep. few weeks back, and he he mentioned he also had the opportunity to play Augusta. Um, for for listeners out there that that don't know how it works, like how does the media draw work, and how did you ultimately end up uh, get getting that lucky? Yeah, so I uh, so I've covered the Masters in person twice. Uh, the last two years, I've covered it from home, and the the media draw happened every single year it didn't happen in 2020 it came back for 2021 but basically if you are covering the masters you can put your name in a draw to try to win a spot i think they have about 40 spots so i think it's 10 tee times um you can only enter it once every you can only win it once every seven years so uh, i can't win it again until 2023 uh but one of the guys uh who's covered the masters or who did cover cam cole for a number of years he won it every seventh year which is crazy so he played it three times which was which was nuts cam drove me down magnolia lane actually because you know he had done it so many times it was like old hat and i was gonna take an uber and this was like in 2016 so the green jackets were like if you could actually take a taxi, that would be better. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, but Cam ended up driving me down Magnolia Lane, which was cool. And how it works is you just get drawn. You kind of just wait uh, until Saturday morning. Uh, if they do draw your name, then you have to go in for a meeting on Sunday in the morning to learn about uh, when you can tee off, when you can arrive, how the day is going to work, and et cetera. Um, but yeah, I brought my clubs with me that first time because a bunch of people Smart said- man. Yeah, a bunch of people said that it's not like Augusta National has rental sets. Um, A bunch of people said that I probably had a good chance at winning because it's not like the media conglomerate has been growing by leaps and bounds every year. So most of the people who have played Augusta have or who cover Augusta have played it before. And sure enough, I did win. And um, yeah, it was sick. (laughs) Definitely a bucket bucket list item for you. Yeah, the, the, me- yeah. the media house, the, yeah. the, just the, like, it just looks absolutely spectacular. Oh, the like press old, building. Yes, the press building. It looks like it's just, looks like an old school men's locker room mahogany. Like it just, you walk in there and you just, you just think of prestige. Yeah. Like that's what I would think. It just looks beautiful. Somebody said it was $15 million to build that thing. Oh. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, But you're right. I mean, there's showers, there's like the work like it's it is pretty insane um it's probably the greatest sort of media center in in all of sports i mean the food's all free um you know you could kind of go on and on about sort of what they do augusta national was kind of built on the premise of the press being kind of an important partner of the whole tournament because believe it or not like in the 30s when the whole thing started um Augusta was chosen because all the writers who were going from spring training in Florida would have to kind of go up and past Augusta and Georgia on their way back up to New York City, where all the newspapers were based out of and and on and on. So um, they've kind of kept that as part of it because in the 30s, it was like a new tournament. There wasn't really much to say about it. So they were like, we need to get you know the the press the key press members need to come and cover this tournament uh, and they did and thankfully you know from 1930s onwards uh the press has always been an important part of the tournament um you know we all kind of walk on eggshells a little bit because we don't want to be taken away from the opportunity to cover the masters uh, but they obviously give us no real reason to speak ill about the golf course or the tournament uh especially with the kind of perks you get there yeah it, well just commenting on on the press making it such a great week i mean 
I'm tuned into your Twitter account that week. I'm tuned into any golf journalist I can get my hands on just because we just get that extra little sneak peek and a little access to Augusta, which is, I mean, that's the peak of on, on Ontario for us, but Canadian yeah. golf, that's kind of Big the time. start to our season. So we get this mega major and this mega major journalism that, that comes our way and <laughs> just gets us kicked off. I know I put a putting green this, this year in my backyard and kind nice. of my whole idea is Host, hosting a master's party at the beginning of the year, just because it's such a, a great big event. Love but, it. Um, I know, I know we've got a, a couple questions here left for you, Adam. I know you're busy you're you're covering the LPGA event, but, uh, um, just, we got to hear at least one awesome, funny person that you've had a chance to interview that just, you know, maybe you interviewed them and you didn't think that they were going to be funny and it just turned <laughs> out absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, like everybody probably knows he's funny, but Joel Damon is hilarious. <laughs> like Joel, I mean, of course, most of your listeners, if not, a lot of your listeners probably have followed him on, on Twitter and he's the exact sort of same on Twitter as he is in, in person. And I mean, he has no filter here. Uh, here the funniest thing that happened with Joel is when I interviewed him one-on-one -on -one last year, we shot a video thing. It was quick. It was funny. I couldn't thank him enough. Um, and then we had dinner afterwards, me and Joel, uh, and my videographer and we were, you know, shooting the breeze, doing whatever. Um, and then we had to go, but Joel was waiting for his wife and I was like, all right, man, yeah, we'll, we'll just get the bills and, and we'll go from there. And he's like, there's not a chance that you can pay for this bill. And I was like, well, why not, man? Like you were, thank you so much. You kind of, you came out and you did this whole thing. He's like, Adam, I made a quarter million dollars playing <laughs> golf this weekend. When you do that in four days, then you can take the bill. Until that time, I got it. And I was like, you know what? Yep. This guy is a solid Good on dude. You. So it was, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it was just one of those things where you don't like, you know, you don't really expect uh, that brunt of a statement or that mm -hmm. sort of le legitimized point on how much money these guys actually make. And even for them, it kind of flips a switch in their head to realize like I made $250,000 playing four days at golf last week. Like, don't worry. I got your $75 of dinner. Like it's really okay. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, that's, that's that was, fantastic. it was a funny moment out of, uh, out of many sort of moments with the guy like that and sort of Max Homa is the same way. Like those guys on, yeah. on social media are, are, are pretty much the same. I mean, Graham McDowell as well as a certified beauty. He's, he's a good dude. And Brant Snedeker, like all those guys on team RBC are selected by RBC for a reason. Um, because they're, they're good people. So, um, you know, they're fun. They're funny. The Canadian guys are all beauties, but, uh, yeah, that moment with Joel was probably like laugh out loud, funny for sure. Certified beauty. I love that term. Um, but <laughs> Joel Damon was, I think it was at Riviera when he turned around up to the crowd and he was like, are you not entertained? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like your story, like yeah. a like you probably wouldn't think of Joel Damon maybe as the funniest person just because he's maybe not as high profile as some of the other big guys. But now that you say yeah. that, I can definitely see him being a funny guy. And he doesn't care about being like high profile. That dude's still going to make like three quarters of a million oh, to, sure. you know, a million and a half dollars every single year playing golf. And he's like fully admitted that he's totally content with, you know, that. And I think the openness of guys is what makes them, you know, Kevin Kisner's the same way. Like just those guys who are, you know what? I'm out here. I'm making 20 a, pays pretty well. I'm making a ton yeah. of money playing golf for a living. Like my life yeah. is okay. Graham Dillette said something really funny on my, on my pod, which is going to come out next week. Um, he was saying, you know, some of the guys in the Olympics are pulling out of the Olympics because it's like, well, you know, I'm concentrating on the FedEx cup and I'm trying to do this, that, the next thing. And, and some people are like, Whoa, well, what do you mean? You're just, just a money grab. And Graham's like, yeah, it is a money grab, but at some point, 
a guy who's top in the world is going to fly private every week and he's got boat maintenance and he's got this, that, <laughs> and the next thing. And they got to pay that costs money. They got to pay for that. So <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I thought it was pretty, yeah. pretty open to realize like, yeah, okay. You know, somebody like, um, you know, Louis Ustazen is not going to go play the, uh, play the Olympics for free, but that's cause that dude just bought a farm and a bunch more farming equipment and that stuff doesn't, uh, doesn't come cheap. So anyways, they live a totally different life. They play a totally different game, but hot damn isn't not a lot of fun to, uh, to be kind of right there beside them and bear witness to it all. Before we get you out of here, you've kind of come up, I'll say a little bit with the, some of these Canadian guys on the tour now, um, even from their, their amateur careers so how cool is it kind of to see where they started playing with the national team in canada to kind of where they are now yeah i mean adam svensson and i played in 2014 when he did like the team canada amateur squad like media day yep. and you know seven years later he's gonna be you know he's won in the corn Ferry tour he's gonna be back on the PGA tour. And he has like the sweetest swing I think I've ever so seen good. in person. It's his action <laughs> so is so, so tight. It's so good. Um, and that's just one example. I mean, Taylor Pendrith hits it farther than almost anybody on the planet. Like you look at the, um, the stats from the U S open, even though he didn't make the cut, he was like fourth on the tournament in driving distance, like three forty average a pop. Like, and I've seen that from behind, like for years, you know, like just this undeniable, send of the golf ball like it's offensive like how far he hits it so oh, yeah. you know between him and you know mckenzie and Corey's stripe show and brooks like insane lag action that you can kind of like literally stand right next to and and watch um you know it has been really cool to see them evolve as superstar athletes and stay the exact same as people and i think that's just a testament to kind of their character uh their canadianisms as well um but also, you know, their trust in me to tell their stories. Like, you know, Taylor gets engaged to uh, Meg, his longtime girlfriend, who's a nurse at a hospital in Hamilton. And you think about all the stuff that she's seen over the last year or so. And I got to tell that story. I mean, I talked to Meg, I talked to uh, Taylor about, you know, what it was like to have somebody on the front lines of COVID and no one else told it. I did. So it's, it's neat to have kind of their trust and, and the experience that I've had growing up alongside all these guys and girls. Some of the goals and um, projects you're working on um, this upcoming summer. Well, I've got uh, I've got about a month and a half left, I think, of uh, the next rounds on me podcast presented by Score Golf and kind of in partnership with the Toronto Star as well. So uh, we've got Graham Dillette. Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but Graham Dillette's coming up soon, uh, and Keith Pele, the chief executive of the European Tour uh, okay. during the British Open week, he's going to come on as well. So couple of uh, little action there uh, and then Amy Rogers who's the uh, LPGA tour reporter for the golf channel and myself have the Amy and Adam show and we're going to cover the LPGA tour all the way until the end of the year in November uh, I was just in Alberta a couple weeks ago and I'm off to Saskatchewan and British Columbia and Quebec City over the next three weeks as well to uh, shoot a new golf and travel content series that I can't actually spill the beans about in terms of where it's going, uh, but that'll come out in the fall. So I'm very excited to uh, tell some more stories across this great country and showcase some great golf courses uh, as well. So uh, the pods are keeping me busy. This new golf and travel series is keeping me busy. Uh, and I've just been contributing to the Toronto star golf section pretty much nonstop. So all my stuff uh, you can find on my Twitter account, Adam underscore Stanley. Uh, this has been super fun. Can't thank you guys enough for having me. 
Season 2, Episode 2, Damned If You Do, Damned If You Don't, a controversial golf topic segment on the Pelt Pod on Spotify and Apple that diagnoses, chews on, sautés, sometimes barbecues, fillets, and sauces, and serves. This week, we're diving into the world of NHL. I have, uh, under strict guidance from my therapist, I don't talk about hockey since the Leafs are out. I'm in a grieving period, uh, but we will address the Montreal Canadiens. They are in the Stanley Cup Finals. The city is on fire. This is a Leafs podcast. However, there are tons of friends of the Pelt Pod that cheer for the Canadians. Jacob, does a Toronto Maple Leafs fan cheer for the Canadians in a special moment like this, or do we stick our flag in the ground and turn our head the other way? Well, this one's a tough one to chew. Um, I like your reference about the city on fire because that's what Habs fans do. Despite winning, they flip cop cars over and fl- and light them on fire. I absolutely detest Habs fans and everything that there has to do with the Habs. Um, I find it extremely hard to cheer for that for the Habs, but I I find it a little bit easier because of a couple players on the team. So. Um, Carey Price, Shea Weber, they're Canadian guys, uh, Olympic champions. Um, those are the type of guys that I would love to see hoist the cup. Uh, being from Dundas and seeing Carey Price win a Calder Cup in in Hamilton, a pretty you know pretty special early on in in his career. So I would love to see him hoist the Stanley Cup, and especially under the case where Tampa Bay, their opponents are seventeen million dollars over the cap. I know that's within the rules, but last night it was pretty clear. Who the underdog is Tampa Bay is absolutely just sticking it to it's just sticking it to the Habs. I mean, that was like an all-star team versus a, uh, a Bantam team last night. I find myself cheering for the Habs here, cheering for them as the underdog. It ekes me to even say that as a diehard Leaf fan, somebody who uh, had a sneak a speaker into the room as a kid to listen to Sergey Bears and score in the last couple minutes to tie the game. I am going to have to say that I, I am a Leafs fan and I would like to see the Habs hoist the Stanley Cup in this case. You can turn in your Leaf jersey right now because I am Get not out. I am not on that side at all. Um, I, I know people say, you know, it's Canada's team. You got to cheer for them, this, that, and the other. But I can't do it. Like, it, it's not in my blood. It's not the way I was raised. I would borderline cheer for Boston over Montreal, um, which is saying a lot. But wow, I'm, I'm really thought. just going to... I don't have too much to add. I just... I can't do it. Ben, break the tie. Well... Let me give you a little bit of an analogy here. Cheering for the Habs in a moment like this is kind of like going out for lunch with your buddy's girlfriend. It's kind of like, I mean, I guess it could happen. I mean, two friends could get together, but why would you ever put yourself in a scenario like that? It is beyond inappropriate. And more importantly, it is breaking every sense of unwritten loyalty to who you should be loyal to. Not that it's, and I'm not saying it's wrong. That is not who I am. And I will not cheer for the Montreal Canadiens under any circumstance. (laughs) I just, I've got a tough time cheering against Kerry. Obviously I hate the Habs, but I would love to see Kerry at least get a cup in his career. He's one of Canada's best goalies of all time. It would be nice to see him win a cup. He has never had a chance or a group in front of him like he has now. That's all I'm saying. It's, It's, I just don't really care for the two, both teams that are in here. But if I had to, I'm cheering for a Canadian who hasn't won the, won the cup before. And it's Carey Price and, and it's Shea Weber. And last week on Damned If You Do, Damned If You Don't, we discussed green reading books. And if we thought that they should be part of the game or if they should be banned, the PGA Tour should continue on this route to have them banned for 2022. And we threw it to the pod. We threw it to the listeners. And Jamie, the results were, it was a far outweighed uh, result here. What were the numbers? 
Yep. Seventy-seven uh, percent of people thought that green reading books should be banned. Twenty-three percent said keep them in play. Um, this is kind of what we expected, and a lot of the listeners are on the same page as us. Looking back at insider picks coming off the exciting Travelers Championship, Jamie Wilson is on a hot streak. He had DeChambeau that went T19th with a minus seven overall finish, and Chez Reeve with a T25 finish at minus six. So, Jamie, clearing 145000 bucks in earnings. Jacob Bishop coming in at a second place finish 35,000 bucks in earnings nowhere close to Jamie Wilson he comes in with his horses T47 that's Scotty Scheffler and T61 Ryan Armour they shot scores uh Scheffler was T47 minus 3 Armour was T61 at minus 1 Ben Whiteside back of the bus 8 weeks of losses i have brought in outside counsel for my picks this week because i've lost privileges basically phil mickelson was a t61 minus one and ted potter jr missed the cut for me last weekend that earned me just over sixteen thousand in earnings so we look ahead at the rocket mortgage classic in detroit jamie wilson you are kind of the shining star of the insider picks at the moment uh, what do you think for this week? Well, thank you for that. Um, first, first thing. Um, but I will, I will go with my, uh, my main guy this week. I'm going to go with Hideki Matsuyama, a little bit of a weaker field, I would say than, than most. And Hideki has been in the top 25 of this event the last two years. So that's my main guy and my sleeper. I'm going to go back to the well with Hank Lebiota fresh off a T5 at the Travelers Championship. Jacob Bishop, we will go to you. You are gunning for Jamie Wilson. This week, I got Will Z. Will Zalatoris is my pick. As fitting as any site, as any to break through. He's 12th in greens hit, 9th in strokes gained, T to green, T9 and par 5 scoring in the smaller greens are going to benefit his average putting. So I got Will Z as my, as a, my main guy and my sleeper. Started to see his name creep up to a lot of leaderboards this year. Henrik Norlander. Thanks to Rob Bolton of PGATour.com. Appreciate those Rocket Mortgage Classic Power Rankings. I think that's plagiarism. Ben, who do you got this week? You're obviously down in the dumps. Um, Your strategy here uh, for week 12 has changed a little bit. Yeah, I've actually lost all privileges. Um, I'm I've had some picks that are completely off the beaten path. I was hoping they would kind of pay out huge. They haven't. They've done the exact opposite. So I brought in some outside counsel um, this week, just saying I it's an SOS. Uh, I need results and I need them uh, right now. Uh, so I have to take the best available player that is left to me, and uh, the numbers speak for themselves. That's Bryson DeChambeau. So Bryson, I, I got an A-lister for my main guy. Uh, Bryson, I'm hoping he takes me to the promised land once again. And I am going to uh, make a pick that was uh, strongly presented to me by my advisors, um, and that is Sep Straka. Now, Sepp has had two very good finishes in this tournament or the past two years, one being a an 11th place finish, the other being a top 10. He was eighth. So Sepp Straka is a decent sleeper from what I'm hearing. I am behind him. So those are my picks. I'm looking to come back strong. And he's fresh off a T10 at the Travelers Championship. So he's hot coming in. So who's ever given you this advice? I want to know your guy. Uh, 
that that'll get left out until we see some results. I will keep my team in the shadows. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode 12 of the Pelt Pod. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Pelt Pod, we'd love to hear from you and can't wait to see you next week for episode 13.